0: this holiday weekend. We're going to go ahead and uh, have the ushers collect our tithes and offering uh, at this time Uh, and then I'm going to start a little bit. So if they want to go ahead and collect the offering that way we don't uh, do it at the end or like last week I forgot all about it. So uh, but I like to welcome you on this holiday weekend. Uh, Traditionally it's the start of summer. So summer here uh, but before I begin, uh, Miss Whitney's back there If any kids want to go with her uh, She's got a children's experience designed for them And then they'll rejoin us later on in our service um, During our forwarding time But I'd also like to welcome those joining us online um, And if you do miss a week or anything You can uh, go to our website and click on the listen section And uh, and that's at Find New Life. UMC.org uh, Or you can find us on, at, uh, on iTunes and download our podcast All of our previous messages are on there uh, We're actually in week four of this series And if you want to catch up and listen to the first three uh, You can uh, do that um, But on iTunes you can do it at New Life UMC We're in the middle of a series called Storms of Life During week one we looked at tornadoes Uh, The times in your life when it it looks like it's spinning out of control. And like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, uh, life is not meant to be traveled alone. You need friends to help you along the way. Here at New Life, we call them formation groups, where three to four people of the same gender get get together to talk, laugh, pray, and to help each other see God in and through the whirlwinds of life. In week two, Mark looked at the thunderstorms of life. Whereas with thunderstorms, life is filled with uncertainties. It tests our faith as we ask questions as why? Why is there so much suffering? Why do I get cancer? Why do I lose a child? Um, why do bad things happen to good people? Why? Where is God in that? And as Peter was able to do the impossible, to walk on water, When we put our faith and trust into Jesus, we are able to face those uncertainties. Last week, we looked at hurricanes. When you know it's coming, those times in your life when you get all consumed in the moment and you forget about the one thing that can help you weather the storm, all storms. When you try to hold on, hold on to those things, the feelings, the emotions, the people, anger, frustration, stress, stuff, and you try to ride that storm out, relying only on yourself. You need to let go, wait, and let God catch you. Tonight, we look at another kind of storm, blizzards. Not the Dairy Queen kind of blizzards. Um, But... (laughs) That would have been really cool. I would have brought blizzards in. Lightning, blizzards, we'd be all set. But, you know, this week... The weather around here finally feels like the time that we're in, the season that we're in. Um, It got up to 80 degrees a couple times. Next week it's going to get up to 80 degrees. So I was beginning to seriously consider that we would still have snow and it would be 30 degrees when we neared the end of this series. Um, And I was fearing this. This past winter was cold, and I mean cold. And I don't know if it's just me, but I heard a new term that they used this winter. I'm sure it was to make the weather uh, appear more ominous or something. The term I heard for the first time was polar vortex. Sounds like a ride at the amusement park. But it's actually an old term. It's been around for a long time. But polar vortexes are actually circular winds that happen over the poles and they affect their jet streams. And when it gets all out of whack and everything, it pushes those jet streams further south, bringing the cold weather out of the Arctic. And that's why we had such a a cold winter. Um, It it causes a a cold wave and extreme weather that extended um, this winter from December uh, to April and was also part of an unusual cold winter affecting parts of Canada and Eastern United States caused by southward shifts of the northern polar vortex. Record cold temperatures also extended well into March. From December 6th through the 10th, the first wave of uh, record-breaking cold air pushed into the United States before the temperature returned to a more stable range. On January 2nd, the Arctic cold front initially associated with nor'easters tracked across Canada and into the United States, resulting in heavy snowfall. Temperatures fell to an unprecedented levels and low temperature records were broken across the United States. Businesses, schools, uh, road closures were common as well as mass flight c- cancellations altogether more than 200 million people were affected. Evan Gold of the Weather Intelligence Plan Linux um, called the storm and the low temperature the worst weather event for the economy since Hurricane Sandy just over a year earlier. Gold calculated that the impact being $5 billion. 50 to 100 million was lost by airlines, which canceled a total of 20,000 flights. Tony Madden of the Federal Reserve Bank of uh, Minneapolis said with so many schools closed, parents had to stay home from work or work from home. Even the ones who could work from home, uh, Madden said, might not have done much. Not included in the total Uh, are the insurance industry and the government costs assaulting roads over time and repairs. Gold said some industries benefited from the storm and the cold, including video on demand services, go Netflix. Uh, Restaurants that offer delivery services, go Pizza Hut. Um, People use their gift cards to buy online, go Amazon. Cooper Research of Boston observed that searches for flights to Cancun increased by about half in the northern cities. Another weather event that happened in the winter are called blizzards. Now, what's a blizzard? Blizzards are dangerous winter storms that are a combination of blowing snow and wind resulting in very low visibilities. While heavy snowfalls and severe cold cold often accompany blizzards, they are not required. Sometimes strong winds pick up snow that has already fallen causing a ground blizzard. Officially the National Weather Service defines a blizzard as a storm which contains large amounts of snow or blowing snow with winds in excess of 35 miles per hour and visibilities of less than a quarter mile or extended period of time, usually three hours and these conditions are expected the national weather service will issue a blizzard warning when these conditions are not expected to occur simultaneously but one or two of these conditions are expected a winter storm warning or a heavy snow warning may be issued the upper midwest and great plains of the united states tend to be the region that experience blizzards the most we don't really feel the effects a lot of times of hurricanes, but blizzards we're all too familiar with. With trees, you can hear me, but people online can't. So are we, are we all fixed here? Excellent. Excellent. So anyways, whiteout conditions where the snow is blowing so hard that it blocks everything. You become snow blind and you can't see. It can be frightening. And if you have to drive, well, it's much better if you don't. We are uh, we are sometimes blinded by our situations, and we feel God is not there, or if God is there, that somehow our circumstances obscure His presence. Have you ever been in one of those kinds of situations, feel abandoned by God? Tonight we look at a story in the Bible about Daniel. It comes from the sixth chapter and starts at verse sixteen, but we need to back up a little. And give you some background that led up to this point. Now Daniel, his name actually means God is my judge. He stands in the Bible as one of the most admirable and upright personalities of the Old Testament, a real superhero. The testimony of J- Daniel's life is significant even to a person not interested in the later prophecies or his later prophecies. He showed that The Lord God of Israel is greater than the idols of Israel pagan kings. As you and I trust God and remain faithful to his word, we can expect him to be present with us, even as God was with his servant Daniel. Now in chapter one of Daniel, Daniel was a faithful man, would not defile himself with the food at the king's table. Daniel uh, challenged the king to a test. He said, I eat my food, you eat your, your food. And in 10 days, we'll see who's healthier. Some of us a few years ago went on that diet, the Daniel fast or the Daniel diet. How did we feel? Next, in chapter 2, uh, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And he had a dream, and it really troubled him very much. He sent for his wise men and his sages and all of his advisors to interpret that dream. When they couldn't tell him what it meant, he killed them all. Then he called Daniel. Daniel first prayed to God, who told him what the dream meant and how it coincided with the things that were happening in Nebuchadnezzar's empire. In chapter 3, Daniel must have been off that day because the king asked three of Daniel's friends to bow before and worship a gold statue. Maybe you've heard of these, and I'm sure if you've had triplets, that's probably their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, refused the king and threw them in the fiery furnace. Um, Now, in the next chapter, um, the king had another dream, that he was a tree, or about a tree. And an angel came down and commanded that the tree... be cut down now Daniel interpreted that tree as Nebuchadnezzar when the king became self righteous and just full of himself thought he was all in control the king actually went mad and fled the city when he finally came to a and he looked up to the heaven and realized who God was his sanity was restored Um, then Nebuchadnezzar dies the next king Belshazzar uh, saw the handwriting on the wall. And that is where we get that expression see the handwriting on the wall. Daniel was called and said it's an announcement of the doom of that ruler. We pick up our story with the next ruler Darius. Daniel at the time was like a governor one of the empires of one of the empire's providences and it was believed there was about 150 of these governors. Daniel remained very faithful to God, but also loyal to the empire. Darius actually favored Daniel, even put some plans into place that Daniel would eventually take over the empire. Well, you know how it goes. Some of the other leaders resented that fact and had convinced the king to pass a law not to pray to any god or man other than the king for 30 days. Daniel found out about the decree, and like he did every day, went to his room, to the open window facing Jerusalem, and prayed. Not once, not twice, but three times. He did that every day. When the others told the king, the king tried to renege on it, his decree, and say, uh, this is Daniel. But the other men convinced Darius that he could not let Daniel off the hook. So he threw Daniel in the lion's den. Verse six, 16, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and hurled him into the pit of lions. Now in Sunday school, lions always looked to me like big, furry little kittens. Didn't they? Even at the circus when you know they brought out the lions and the lion tamer, to me that didn't look too dangerous. And then you have the movie The Lion King, Well, believe me, lions will eat you alive. Um, There's a guy named uh, Dr. Craig Packer, director of the Lion Research Center and co-founder of the Savannahs Forever in Tanzania. He's also a professor at the University of Minnesota. In 1978, he began what's called the Serengeti Lion Project to study various historical questions about lions. Packer estimates more than 70 Tanzanians are killed each year by lions. Packer also documented that between 1990 and 2004, lions attacked 815 people in Tanzania, killing 563 of them. Now, in the book of Daniel, the king said to Daniel, Your king, the one you serve so consistently, and if you have your Bibles and a pen, underlined that word consistently, will rescue you. A single stone was brought and placed over the entrance of the pit. The king sealed it with his own ring and with those of his princesses so that Daniel's situation couldn't be changed. The king then went home to his palace and fasted through the night. No pleasure was brought to him. And he couldn't sleep. At dawn, at the first sign of light, the king rose and rushed to the lion's pit. As he approached it, he called out to Daniel, worried Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, the one you serve so consistently, able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel answered the king, Long live the king. My God sent his messenger. Who shut the lion's mouth? They haven't t- touched me because I was judged innocent before my God. I haven't done anything wrong to you either, Your Majesty. The king was thrilled. He commanded that Daniel be brought up out of the pit, and Daniel was lifted out. Not a scratch was found on him because he trusted his God. And then you know all those other guys? The ones who did that? And then the king threw all those in the lion's pit And it talks about crushing of bones And it, it was an ugly sight now, Everybody knows that um, an author that I really like is John Orberg And in his book, The Me I Want to Be Kind of talks a little bit about um, when we can't see God The reality of God is that we are never speaking or actri- acting in his absence The psalmist said, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. However, God allows us to sometimes feel as um, uh, are away from him, which I think he does for a reason. Do you ever drive differently when you see a squad car behind you? Why? It's not because your heart has changed. It's not because you see the squad car and think, oh, I want to be a good driver. You don't want to get a ticket. You don't want those little, you know, red flashing lights in your rearview mirror, do you? You see, God, and Orberg goes on, you see, God doesn't want forced compliance. God is so um, immense that he was too too visible. People would give forced compliance. If God were too visible, people would give forced compliance without expressing their heart. So God makes makes it possible in enormous love for us to live as if he weren't there. Now one, and that's, uh, when I was thinking about that, when I was preparing this message, is how do you feel when you're driving in a blizzard and you can't see? You feel alone. You feel alone. And an image popped into my mind, and Andrew's going to throw it up there, and it's this image. Now this is what they call an ice. Ishihara color test, and it's to test you for color blindness. It's an example of a color perception test for red-green color deficiencies. Kind of looks when you're looking out the window and there's snowflakes flying, but you can see something kind of vaguely in the background if you're not colorblind. They say 16% of the American population is colorblind, so but it's 45, right? It's there, you just can't see it sometimes. But the Ishihara color test was invented by Shinobu Ishihara, professor of the University of Tokyo. The test consists of a, du- a number of color plates called Ishihara plates, each of which contains a circle of dots appearing randomized in color and size. Within the pattern of dots, um, which form a number or shape clearly visible to those with normal color vision, and invisible Uh, or difficult to see to those with red green color vision defects or the other way around. Now something else that happens with our eyes is we have optical illusions. And there are three types of optical illusions. Literal literal optical illusions that create images that are different from the objects that make make them. Uh, Physiological ones that are the effects on the eyes and the brain of excessive stimulation of a specific type, uh, brightness, color, size, position, tilt, movement, and cognitive illusions, and cognitive illusions, the result of unconscious inferences. I'm gonna put up one, it's a cognitive uh, illusion, and many of you have seen this, and it's called the old or young woman. Now, which one do you see when you first look at it? Which do you see? The young? Did anybody see the old woman at first? Okay. It's usually about 50-50. Half the people see the young woman first, half the people see the old woman, but they're actually both in this picture. And that's called a cognitive illusion. Um, are assumed to arise at the interaction with assumptions about The world. Leading to unconscious inferences Cognitive illusions are commonly divided in ambiguous illusions Which this is actually what's called an ambiguous illusion Distorting illusions, paradox illusions, or fiction illusions Now the next one I'm going to show you is a physiological illusion such as the afterimage followed by bright lights or adapting stimuli of excessive longer and alternating patterns, uh, which this one is. Now, when you look at this, does it look like it's moving? Maybe it's too big. Eh, it moves a little bit. But when you stare at the black dot, everything stops. And that's what they call a physiological illusion. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is a negative afterimage are caused when the eyes' photoreceptors, uh, primarily those known as cone cells, adapt from an overstimulation and lose sensitivity. Normally, the eye details with this problem, uh, by rapidly moving small amounts, Uh, by moving small amounts. The motion later gets filtered out, so it's not noticeable. However, if the color image is large enough that the small movements are not enough to change the color under one area of the retina, these cones will eventually tire or adapt and stop responding. The rod cells can also be affected by this. When the eyes are then diverted to a blank space, The adapted photoreceptors send out a weak signal and those colors remain muted. However, the surrounding cones that were not being excited by that color are still fresh and send out a strong signal. The signal exactly the same as if we looked at the opposite color, which is how the brain interprets it. Why do I talk about the optical illusions? Because we're not really looking for God um, In those times It seems we always ask for God When we need him the most Do we ever ask God When things are going alright You know And that's something that If you look at the life of Daniel That's what he did He prayed consistently He fasted consistently He did it all the time He did it and so much that everybody around him noticed that about what he did. It's the life that he led, not when you're driving in a car and you can't see and you say, oh, God, help me. You know, he, he prepared himself. You know, we talk about storms, um, tornadoes, uh, thunderstorms, hurricanes. You know, first they issue a watch, which kind of tells you that something, you know, the conditions are right. You know, and then they have the warnings when actually they've seen one or they know that it's coming. And then they tell you things to do, how to prepare for those storms. You know, in a tornado, you're supposed to go to the basement. You know, during a thunderstorm, you're supposed to be inside. You're not supposed to be out golfing or anything with lightning and stuff. And hurricanes, they even tell you to go to the store, board up your windows and things like that to prepare. Even for blizzards, they tell you to fill your car with gas. Go to the grocery store, get groceries and stuff. And if you don't have to drive, don't. Now, as I close, um, and if the band wants to come up to the stage, uh, that way they can get ready. But I'm going to have you look at an image for about a minute to two min, uh, a minute or two. Um, and this is um, one of the optical illusions and I'm not trying to trick you or anything, but this is one that you might have received in an email. Uh, It's made its rounds on the internet. But what I want you to do is there's four dots, vertical dots. Now look at those and really concentrate on those. The point I'm trying to make um, during this is that when you're in a storm, it's not so much what you do or feel uh, you need during it. Most of the time it's what you do in preparation before the storm. You know like I said, we were told to gas up our cars, buy groceries, not to travel, etc, in a snowstorm. With Daniel, it wasn't what he did when he was in the den. it's what he did beforehand. You need to prepare. you need to see God. when the weather is beautiful. Not try to find him in the depths of your storm. You need to prepare in advance for those rough times. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Uh, so if you've done this, you can close your eyes. Um, Holy Father, thank you for gathering us here tonight. Uh, blessing each and every one of us. Uh, be with everyone around us who's been traveling this week or will be traveling. Keep them safe. Um, when we have those storms in life, um, it's, not, you know, it's not our cries of help and our desperation. Sometimes it is. But let us know that you're always with us that we can pray in the good times as well as the bad times to be with us. Continue be with our time tonight as we worship you. In your heavenly and holy name. Amen.
1: i <laughs> been <laughs>